0: Southwest Loop
1: 820. Uh, in
0: Fort Worth. Just west of the Chisholm Trail.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: all TV's awesome food. 29 degree draft beer. Famous Twin Peaks girls. And uh, there's these glasses with our faces on them. And uh, free to you. You walk in and say, hey, I want one of those glasses. They'll be like, yeah, okay. Stop yelling at me. Uh, right now, uh We're happy to welcome on the author of a book. He's actually at least one-third the author of this book. Um, and this is Jason Stanford. He's on the <laughs> Diamond Factory Ticket Hotline. Mm-hmm. How about that, Jason? You ever been on a Diamond Factory Ticket Hotline before?
2: I never even dreamed there was such a thing. This is a great honor.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. Um... I read your book, and I love it, as I talked to you off the air last week about it a little bit. I finished it. Great. You worked on the the final third yeah. of the book, and I told him that if I didn't like his writing in the final third, that I wouldn't call him this week. Okay. But, well, I, but I did. Indicative that you did, yeah. Yeah. So the book is called Forget the Alamo, and it's uh, really interesting. Um, it's also interesting... In this time, uh, Jake and I live in these school districts where they're trying to uh, take books out or limit books. Yep. And uh, this feels like a book that would be on the list of, uh, I don't know if I'd want this in my school. It, uh, In fact, you guys have had some book signings or, or events that have been canceled, right? Because of, I'm looking at one here from last July where... A uh, local museum there in Austin was going to have you guys out and talk about your book, but then that got canceled because of uh, politics? Yeah. Well, that was uh, actually two Julys ago. It was when oh. our book was first coming out,
2: and it was at the Bullock State History Museum. And they were all excited to have us on. A, it was just a Zoom thing. Uh, but before the book came out, they had arranged for us to uh, to to be at a, a virtual book event, But as the book started to get attention, there are some uh, folks in Austin who who disagreed with it and thought it was a political attack, and they convinced uh, the lieutenant governor to order the State History Museum to to cancel our event, because clearly the State History Museum is no place to discuss state history.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's really interesting (laughs) because... Uh, even the way the story uh, presents that, so it's the Al- it's called "Forget the Alamo," but what it basically is is just the story of the Alamo. So if you said to somebody, "You've got a blank page, uh, go figure out the story of the Alamo," uh, they did. They 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 did tons of research. Not in your section of the book, but it was the part with uh, oh, let me see. The author uh, y- you guys wrote about uh, Jeff Long. He was an author. Yeah who um was really stoked on Davy Crockett. So he was a big he was big into the Alamo. He grew up, you know, loving Davy Crockett and uh didn't really have an idea on what he wanted to write, but wanted to just learn as much as he could about the Alamo and then write a book. Right. And he uh he looked into the Alamo's archives cuz I guess all these papers are there and found out a bunch of bunch of things that just didn't didn't coincide with what he had been taught all all, uh, growing up, correct? Right, that's exactly right. We all think we know the story of the Alamo, that these folks were fighting
2: tyranny, and they were fighting for freedom, and that they knowingly gave their lives to buy San Houston some time, and that's the story that's been told in Texas for more than 100 years. Uh, Also, for about 100 years, people have been trying to tell us that that is true. And there was no line in the sand. They didn't knowingly give up their lives. Uh, they, In fact, they tried to surrender twice. Uh, and really, it, they weren't fighting for freedom. They were fighting so that they wouldn't have to obey the law of the land that was it was Mexico at the time. So it doesn't take too long to, to pull the myth apart. What is more interesting to me and it, it is how the story has been enforced by politicians for more than 100 years.
0: Yeah. Up to this day. And the story was kind of invented right after it happened. It's it's the, uh, you know, us, the, the losers of the battle, said, well, we need to, you know, to get back at these, uh, to, to get exact revenge, we need to, let's glorify this story to rally the people. Because the people weren't going to be rallied by reality. And yeah, so well, you can, you can, even can kind the, of understand it at the, uh, uh, at the time. You can kind of understand why they would come up with that story to, uh, to try to lead people to fight, but, you know, once it's 100 years uh, past, 150, whatever it is now, it just seems silly to, well, to still be battling yeah. over what the story is.
2: The, yeah, um, but even before they came up with the, the story to motivate the, the Tex- Texian troops to revenge, to avenge the Alamo, it was to stave off panic, because they were they, all these people were escaping the advancing Mexican army, And the, and the news that not only had the Alamo fallen, but everyone had been killed meant that everyone in Santa Ana's way was going to get killed as a pirate because this wasn't a war. This was a secessionist movement. They were trying to take land away from Mexico, which there are different rules of law. I mean, different rules of war there. And so in, in he, Sam Houston had to turn the Alamo from. A horrible, embarrassing military defeat, and they never—he in fact ordered the Alamo to be evacuated, so this would never have happened. And then he turned this into a rallying cry, which we all know today as "Forget the Alamo." I mean, remember the Alamo? Sorry, the book is "Forget the Alamo."
1: <laughs> yes, and you are Jason Stanford, one of the authors of "Forget the Alamo." I, I always find it interesting it, when when you get pushback on book signing events or on you know, God forbid, getting this into a school or something like that. Do people not understand that you and your co-authors have actually gone to the archives to to prove these things out? Like, what what is the nature of the pushback? Is there anything actually substantive about it, or is it just we just don't like the 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 vibe of this? I I don't know what they sure. base that in. So there is
2: one uh, the 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 most substantive pushback is that there were other states in rebellion against Santa Anna at the time. And you and they they didn't have slavery there, so how can you say that Texas was in rebellion to preserve slavery? Well, Texas was the only republic of Texas, the only republic or state in Mexico that was trying to get independent. That was trying to split away. Every, all these other states in rebellion were simply trying to reform the system to create a, a, a pre, to reinstate the eighteen twenty four constitution. So it's. It settled law among credible historians that Texas, the Texas Revolution, or the revolt as we call it in the book, was primarily over slavery. And that, that, then, if you have to accept that though, then you, then that goes to undermine the credibility of the anti-Texas myth, which goes to our identities as Texans, that we were founded in this incredible act of selfless bravery, which it turned out to be not incredibly true. So, the pushback from the from the lieutenant governor uh, to, for one he called it a fact-free retelling of texas history they just they just brush aside the entire thing and say this is just a political attack
0: yeah and even the story i read about that which which uh, cites dan patrick there is it uh, the first paragraph says it's a book examining the role slavery played leading up to the battle of the alamo that's a very small part it just seems like it's mentioned in there, like you said, and then you do need to accept that, and then you can go on. and. But that's not what the book... The book is not 300 pages about uh, how Texas loves slaves, uh, but it's it's back... It's in there, um, right. but yeah, it's, it's clearly not fact-free, a fact-free no. rewriting. The rewriting, this is interesting, the rewriting happened, you know, a long ago... And it's, it's weird to me to term you or term the whole, uh, you know, trying to tell the truth of the Alamo as the revisionist history. Like, it's the act, we're just trying to find actual history, uh, but they call you revisionist. Exactly.
2: And, and really, the book is about how the, the story has been revised all along. Let me give you one example. It was widely accepted at the time from eyewitness accounts that were written down that Davy Crockett was captured uh, and or surrendered and was executed later that morning. Not terribly controversial at the time until Walt Disney came around and made Davy Crockett this stoic American hero and John Wayne went down swinging old Betsy with a rising mound of dead Mexican soldiers around him. Then it became politically unpopular to say that he, that Davy Crockett surrendered and was executed later. That, that didn't conform to how people felt about davy crockett at the time and so for more than two generations it was widely accepted that davy crockett went down swinging old betsy and it wasn't until uh billy bob thornton uh was executed in the 2004 movie that it really became okay again to talk about it but even among alamo heads uh who it, real smart people who study this a lot they're just not ready to accept it that the imprint of the walt disney series on a generation of baby boomers can't be understated here. it's they are emotionally attached to this myth in a way that they're still holding on to these days dan patrick for example has a scale model of the alamo in his state
0: office
1: <laughs> okay <And laughs> that's, wasn't- a, that's not weird uh, Were your parents real stoked on that movie? Oh, my mom was a uh, you know uh, again, Jason. I grew up in Texas. I'm uh, I'm 37, so I took Texas history twice. We had a uh, we had the, the the Alamo on VHS. It was a big part of my upbringing. Um, I just have a question from like the literary standpoint of how a book gets written with three authors. This is a bit off topic matter here, but so is it like a relay where one goes to two and two goes to three, or or how do you actually? write a book in thirds with two other people.
2: Uh, yeah, that that's a whole other show. Um so we divided up the research and we dug in deep in ours and we kept talking about it so we knew that we were telling a coherent story all the way through. We agreed on a tone and that took a lot of negotiation and pushing back and forth and then we wrote it and tried to get the whole story similar. But then Brian Burrow who's, you know, he has three New York Times bestsellers besides this one. Uh, he went and wrote over all of us. So it was he, he smoothed it all out. So it sounded like it was one book.
0: And your part was a lot. You did all the research on the Phil Collins collection. So Phil Collins is really stoked on the Alamo, <laughs> and he started collecting uh, Alamo items. Um, but real collectors will scoff at his uh, huge collection. And his huge collection was a big reason that the Alamo, what, they got some government money, some funds to uh, build a new Alamo Museum and, and really change that whole uh, thing, but you know, without without the Phil Collins selection, they probably wouldn't have gotten or, uh, collection, they probably wouldn't have gotten that money, right? Well, yeah, and they
2: really haven't gotten that much money now. But it, his collection, which at one time was considered to be the world's largest collection of Texas revolutionary memorabilia. Uh, he was looking... It was in his basement in museum-quality display cases in Switzerland, and he was looking for... A, he needed to get it out of the basement because he was thinking about moving to Florida or something like, something like that. Uh, and he needed a place for it to go. So he was shopping his, his collection around, looking for a museum, and he had one condition, that it all be displayed. And that's just not how museums work. But jerry patterson who was the land commissioner at the time big alamo head history buff he thought cool we could do this and according to he he told me um and he's changed his story since then but what he told me at the time and confirmed later to a fact checker is he told phil Collins, put in the contract when you give it to us we have to start building a museum within seven years well that was seven years ago and right now i mean and that's set in motion unprecedented cooperation between city and the state to get something done with the Alamo site. Because if you remember what it's actually like there, it's a pretty underwhelming historical site.
0: Oh yeah. We've been there plenty. Uh, And what was really interesting to me in your just fact-checking and a lot of debunking of a lot of his uh, collection was that like one of the things was uh, Jim Bowie's knife. And uh, the way they used to confirm that it was Jim Bowie's knife, they did it with a psychic. <laughs> yeah the, the, he said there was an overwhelming sadness associated
1: with the night so ever, ever the reliable uh confirmation source
2: <laughs> I, I gotta tell you though i've never really found a cheerful night so i'm not you know <laughs> not sure how accurate that might have been
0: yeah well well you can keep looking for one and then uh, the next book can be on that
2: yeah happy, knife. happy
0: night by jason Sanford. it'll be a great kids book yeah, yeah. Well, Jason, thanks for joining us today. I uh, just want to tell you I love the book. It's a very interesting read, and I just like to—I uh, don't know—I like things that that sh- reshape the way I was thinking about something. Like, man, I can't believe uh, it's actually like this. So, I, I'm so glad to
2: hear you say that. I'm really glad you liked the book, and thank you so much for having me on. All
0: right, this is uh, the book is Forget the Alamo. And one of the three authors is Jason Stanford. So make sure if you buy the book that uh, you know his name is on it.